Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. And every week during the academic year, I sit down with members of the Monmouth College community to talk to them about their interest, what they do, and things they've done. In this second edition of Monmouth College Conversations, I visit with the voice of Fighting Scots Athletics, and that's none other than Monmouth Sports Information Director, Nathan Beliva. Nathan will discuss what it's like to be a one-person operation covering and promoting an NCAA Division III athletics program, as well as what it was like to watch a young Yadier Molina cut down would-be base stealers in Peoria, Illinois. Nathan Beliva was named Monmouth College Sports Information Director at a very odd time. It was March 2021, and the world was in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. As the college's Sports Information Director, Nathan oversees the college's athletics website, monmouthscots.com. That's your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. He also oversees athletic social media platforms, and he edits and produces Scott Scoop, a weekly e-newsletter, which you can sign up to receive at monmouthscots.com. Nathan makes sure that every home Monmouth Athletics event runs smoothly, and that includes managing a staff of nearly three dozen student workers. In short, Nathan has a sports junkie's dream job. I started our conversation by asking Nathan what it's like to finally begin a somewhat normal season of Monmouth College Athletics more than a year and a half after coming to the college. Nathan came to Monmouth after spending 18 years with the Peoria Chiefs. They're a single-A minor league baseball team affiliated with the St. Louis Cardinals. Nathan was most recently the club's director of media, broadcasting, and baseball operations. Um, you know that's that's the game point anyway. If we can, um, you know, avoid any more uh, interruptions of any kind, it looked like last year was going to be that, and then uh, you know we hit the winter break and <laughs> that put a pause on everything for two weeks and uh, uh, forced us to miss a couple of home events in swimming and track uh, that, that weren't rescheduled, a couple in basketball that were rescheduled, and gave us some some pretty busy uh, you know later schedules, and then. Um, Spring spring went off pretty well. You know, there were a couple games here and there. Um, you know, hopefully this year, you know, making it through the first week here um, in September, I think, was big um, for, for all of our programs. Um, we'll see what happens come winter again, because that's where it, it happened last year. Uh, the only thing we had in the first week was Principia canceled a game, and uh, I'm not sure if that was COVID-related or low numbers related, but that came in volleyball. They pulled out of a tournament um, in Illinois College, so we did lose one game there, but that's not really much of an impact in a sport like volleyball where you play you know 25 30 matches and 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 get that going it's not like losing a football game which i guess we could have saturday night had the lightning persisted for another uh you know half hour or 45 minutes which uh it, it was funny I, w- I was joking up there um you know on 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 saturday that uh, had we just gone out there and pulled tarp it would have felt like my minor league baseball days because I'm, I'm i'm definitely used to having a you know a two-hour rain delay and a game that starts at 9 30 instead of 6 30 um you know because we we did that quite a bit 
you know, multiple times a year, it feels like, and when I was in minor league baseball. But, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully things are normal. Um, we've got a handful of new coaches, but we've got a lot of returning coaches, so there's a lot of familiarity there for me now. Um, I think I feel like they know how I operate. I know how they operate. We've got a couple new head coaches that, that I'm, you know, one here in the fall, actually two here in the fall in, in tennis and cross country that I'm, I'm getting to know how they work. And then um, once we get into the spring with, with Coach Tice and, and lacrosse, and then, you know, Coach Woodard's a pretty easy transition for me. His office is next to mine. I probably talk to him more than anybody in the building. Um, you know, so for him to transition to head coach for track and field uh, will probably be the easiest of the transitions for me because I've been working with him anyway, um, you know, for the last 18 months. So just kind of getting familiar with with what people like, how they want to operate, who who's going to give me quotes after games, who's going to, you know, love to do the video interviews and stuff like that, um, you know, who will create their own graphics, who's going to, um, you know, look at the stats and, and have things there. So just a little bit back and forth and learning all that stuff. There seems to be a real energy right now on campus, especially surrounding the Hoff Athletic Center, which is the home of Finding Scott's Athletics. Does all of this sort of remind you just how really important sports are in pe- people's lives, especially on a college campus? It's it's more than just a game. It, it really is, and and I didn't realize that you know in professional sports it's different and coming into college um, especially at this level I wasn't sure what to expect and this gives me a feel of high school athletics in in a lot of ways where um, you know the community is going to rally around that team whether it's football on a Friday night or it's it's volleyball on a Tuesday and it's it's you know basketball on a cold snowy Wednesday when there's nothing else to do but you can go sit in the gym and and watch a doubleheader um, when we're playing in conference games and stuff like that or they come then finally right it's spring and you get that first Saturday where it's 60 degrees but it feels like 90 and you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt sitting at a softball game or a baseball game uh, or, or a lacrosse game and in our case although we have a couple of those in February where it's not quite 60 degrees yet but um, you know and the, the whole you know the campus comes out it's great to see them you know the the, the students out there in, in left field um, in a softball game or a baseball game having fun and 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 cheering and you know they're they're singing along to the music between innings and and having that fun or they're they're cheering the lacrosse team on and and all that in the spring is great and um you know hopefully we get it in in volleyball we did last year uh for some of the matches and they were they were loud and i think some of those matches you know they carried us to a couple wins that that really helped um you know that team make it into the conference tournament uh same thing with with the women's basketball uh where we pulled out a couple a couple of nice home home games and home wins, um, you know. So hopefully that continues on here with the new class of freshmen, um, you know. And, and it does though, you know. You get the community out here. The, the events are free, which is awesome. Um, that that was another adjustment for me too, coming from professional sports where you would never give somebody a free ticket to come in to a game. Um, but you know, you you, uh, um, you know you, you get that sense of community with that and people. The, the other thing too is you look at the rosters. And you've got so many talented student athletes that are from Monmouth, Roseville, and United, and Galesburg, and Abingdon, Avon, and Rockridge, and on and on and on. All the the schools around here, and and then so we get the local 
flavor with that. We get people that are coming up to watch somebody from Mercer County in um, Knoxville or, or wherever they might be, and we're getting that coverage from the local weekly papers in those areas who are here. Uh, you know, there, were, there was a reporter from Knoxville up here on uh, on Saturday night. I don't know if he stayed for the, the actual kickoff at 10-15, but was looking to take pictures of some of the, the players that were from the three areas where they had a weekly a weekly paper where they, where they had um, you know student athletes that are on our football team so that's great to get that coverage to get that support to get that community and it, and it does give it and you see it throughout other events here and uh, uh, you know whether it's with you know it's with the car show and it's with the uh, you know the other the other festivals that go on in the summer and now into the fall and um, you know obviously big ones coming up here in September and and into October for the, for the community which is great and and the community rallies around that they rally around the high school when they're when they're playing well in sports and and they rally around us which is awesome to see the fall sports season is now underway at monmouth college uh, let's talk about the fall sports teams that are participating i guess let's start off with the history that was made recently on saturday night at april's own memorial stadium the first Monmouth night football game at the stadium. Yeah, night games have been played there before, and Monmouth has played night games. Yeah, it's 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 weird how everything kind of tied together, right? So we've had eight man football uh, state championship games at night at April Zorn, but the Scots had never played a game there. Uh, The Scots played night games over at Sunny Lane Field, when which was used by the high school back in the uh, the fifties and and into the sixties, but had never played a night game here um, since April Zorn was was redone and lights were added and all that stuff. So it was scheduled for 2020. We all know that season didn't happen. Uh, it was scheduled against Wartburg. We played a night game at Wartburg last year to start the year. Um, and then they came here to start this one. And then because of the lightning delay and everything else that happened, we actually ended up um, I would probably have to ask Jeff Rankin to research this too, but to everybody's knowledge in the press box, it was also the first time we'd ever played on Sunday um, as we as we crossed the midnight barrier and into, into Sunday football. Um, so that was a, another little bit of a first. So, um, you know, I, I think it was also the longest delay um, both the Wartburg SID and, and our and my predecessor Dan Nolan had said that we had a um, three-hour and ten-minute delay against Wartburg, um, actually on the same date, September third of two thousand eleven. Um, so this one technically went three hours and uh, eighteen minutes before the the ten eighteen kickoff. So um, the other one was that delay that happened in two thousand eleven was in the third quarter. Um, so they had had gone well enough into that game. I think it, it you know the, it was an eight-point game and. Um, had already gone well in, and then they got in late. So I don't know which is worse, to have not started, and then you're sitting there for three hours and waiting, or you kick off at 1, and then in, like, the third quarter at 2.30, then you've got a three-hour delay. I, I don't know which of those is is worse. I I did both in minor league baseball. We did, we've did we done both here with baseball and softball, right? You know, getting, getting the game started and then getting a delay, and you're sitting there waiting. And obviously we don't have tarps, so if it rains hard, it's tough to restart, um, you know, here with those. But... Um, I, don't, I don't know which of those is worth. Neither of them are fun. Put it that way. Neither are ideal. You wanted to start on time and play all the way through whatever event you have. I, I was joking with, with Coach Scrisseth during the delay. I said, man, I bet you're glad you coach basketball right now. You don't have to deal with lightning delays. And he said the only only weather delay he had was once. They had one tornado delay where they had to evacuate the gym. Uh, they were on the, on the road. wasn't here. But he said that's the only weather delay they've had. He said they had some delays, obviously, getting places because of snow and 
and icy roads where they either couldn't go or, or whatever got late, got there late. But uh, excuse me, only one where they actually had to leave the gym and delay the game. Tornado, of course, you're going to do that. So uh, that happened too. But yeah, the, the other history on Saturday we had was uh, uh, on the tennis side. Coach Brian Dahlstrom got his first win as a Mama Scott's head coach. Uh, the, the ladies beat Dubuque. Uh, they were winning five nothing when it started pouring down rain. Um, so the four, the last four singles matches didn't get finished. But at that point, even if we'd lost all four, we still won the match five to five to four. So uh, we were credited with the five nothing victory in that one. So Coach Dahlstrom got that win, which is great. So a little bit of history there as well. Um, women's soccer is uh, off to a one-and-one start. They won at Rockford to open. Um, they got a goal there from Lynn Reck, who was the um, Offensive Player of the Week for Week 1 in the Midwest Conference. She also had an assist in that game. Uh, Lizzie Gold scored the game-winning goal, and then they lost over the weekend um, to uh, to Webster. Men's soccer got a draw on Monday night in Principia, so they uh, they are 0-2-1 on the season. New rule for for those who uh, might not know in NCAA soccer starting this year, uh, there's no overtime anymore in regular season games, even conference games. So uh, you'll see a lot more ties in those standings, um, but you don't have that extra 20 minutes of game action um, and then possible penalty kicks for regular season. That'll come back in starting with the conference tournament and into the NCAAs because obviously you've got to have a winner in, in those playoff games. But regular season, it's just 90 minutes. And if it's tied, it's tied um, and, and that'll impact the standings um, obviously in, in conference races they'll, they'll, they'll calculate those a little bit different because you won't have a winner for every match um, but so men's soccer got got that tie um, volleyball was in the Illinois College Tournament to start they went one and two. Got a got a very nice win over Franklin College, who's who's got a good squad. Lost a tough five setter to Westminster. Um, so one and two. They've got tournaments each of the first three weekends in September before conference play starts uh, September twenty third. Um, and then we mentioned football with the, with their game against Wartburg, and then they'll start conference play uh, coming this weekend and uh, be at home on Parents Weekend September seventeenth against Illinois College for their next home game. Cross country started at uh, Illinois Wesley. Uh, finishing sixth place and seventh place, and they're going to run uh, again on the weekend at Aurora, and then have a, a week off, and then they go to Bradley for a, a big meet in Peoria that includes Division One. Like last year, it was you know Wisconsin and I think Northwestern, maybe DePaul, uh, Illinois State, Bradley. They get a bunch of Division Three schools in there, uh, some community colleges, junior colleges as well. So um, it's a, a, a rather large meet, and there's two of those in Peoria during the year. Um, golf had their first meet at at Augustana to start September. Um, we had one top 20 finish on the men's side with Gannon Greenman, and um, they're gonna, the, the women are in their playoff season, so to speak, where their, their matches count. Uh, the men are in their kind of fun season or exhibition season, um, and then their conference tournament and uh, conference championships and NCAAs are in the spring for the men. Um, and, and they play over in the, the SLIAC um, since the Midwest Conference doesn't have enough golf teams for a automatic qualifier so we play in the um, the SLIAC with teams like Webster and uh, Fontbonne, Eureka, um, Blackburn, those types of schools from, from the SLIAC when we get into conference action. But Illinois College, Grinnell, uh, Knox, they're, they're in that with us. So um, 
So that's kind of the, the rundown of, of, of what's been going on. We've got plenty of action. There's a home event just about every weekend now leading up until Christmas. Um, I, I think that I think there's two Saturdays where there's not a home event before Christmas Eve, which is, which is on a Saturday. Uh, one of those is this coming Saturday, but um, all the rest of them, there's something football, soccer, volleyball. Um, we've got swimming, which will start up in October. Uh, I think October 8th is their first their first meet. Their practice starts next week. Um, so they're kind of a fall slash winter sport, just like track is a winter slash spring sport. So swimming starts a little bit later, but they still have meets in October and kind of an unofficial 10th fall sport. You're listening to Mammoth Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Office of Communications and Marketing at Mammoth College. We're talking to Nathan Believa. Nathan is the Sports Information Director at Mammoth College. And we'll take a break real quick in the program and return with a little information and background about what Nathan did before he came to Mammoth in March of 2021. You're listening to Mammoth Conversations with Dwayne Bonifer in the Mammoth Office of Communications and Marketing. We're talking to Nathan Believa, Mammoth College's Sports Information Director. Nathan's been the Sports Information Director at Mammoth College since March of 2021. And before that, he spent 18 years in Peoria working for the Chiefs, a single-A baseball team that was the minor league team for the Cardinals, the Cubs, and then, then the Cardinals again. And Nathan, how did you get into that position in Peoria? And what was that like working in minor league baseball? Um, a little bit of luck to start with, but um, when, when I, I was in grad school at, at Florida in uh, 2001, 2002, and I sent out my my resume to a bunch of minor league teams trying to get an internship um, that I needed to to get my grad degree. I needed an internship, and uh, also wanted to do it in, in minor league baseball. So sent that out to a bunch of. Um, bunch of teams um, had a couple of different opportunities but Peoria was close to home um, since it's about an hour from where my parents live so I figured that was a great great place to get my feet wet spend the summer so I went down there in 02 um, spent the summer interning doing all the media relations stuff writing press releases and um, we had a, a, a small website back then where everything was uploaded through an FTP site um, there was no social media of course at the time but um, you know did did all the website stuff, did all the game notes, did all the press releases, interviews, all of that. It just so happened that it was the best team in franchise history. Um, there was a, uh, a young man behind the plate on that 2002 team as an 18-year-old uh, from Puerto Rico uh, whose name was Yadier. Um, and here we are 20 years later, and he is still playing, um, which is awesome. But he was there. Uh, he was the everyday catcher. He hit like 270, had eight or nine home. He set the Midwest League record for assists by a catcher because he threw out everybody. I mean, he's got the same arm he's got now, right? And uh, did it as an 18-year-old against other 18-year-olds in there. So, um, But, I mean, th there's other names, too, that people would recognize that were on that team. Uh, Danny Heron was a starting pitcher, went on to have a really good uh, major league career. Uh, Chris Duncan, who unfortunately has passed away from brain cancer, was the starting first baseman and, and had a nice major league career. I think there ended up being eight or nine guys off of that team that, that made it to the majors, but they, they won the championship um, that year. Um, I went back to Florida to finish up 
my uh, my grad school and I'd been down there for I guess a semester and they called in January and said hey we've got an opening now for a radio broadcaster because um, when I was there they didn't have a, a home radio broadcaster they farmed everything out to Fox Sports Radio uh, in Peoria and, and they provided the broadcasters and, and did that and they at the time decided to bring it in house and they knew me they knew that's what I wanted to do um, they probably knew they could get me cheap because I was just now coming out of college and, and they offered me the position and I took it and uh, you know ended up spending 17 seasons behind the microphone traveling around minor league minor league parks going to you know Michigan Wisconsin Iowa uh, Indiana Ohio eventually into Kentucky when Bowling Green joined the league um, and, and just traveling around all summer long and you know 140 games and 152 days was usually what we did and, and it was awesome I loved it all got to know a lot of those players we had a lot of talent uh, the time I was there and it's great to see these guys some of them you know still doing it you look at the Cardinals squad right now that, that's winning the division and you know we had we had Jack Flaherty and we had Paul DeYoung and Harrison Bader who just got traded but uh, all those young kids were there my last season that 2019 year was Lars Newtbar and Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes who are all having such fantastic scenes it's it's so you feel like a like a proud dad or a proud older brother and you see these guys having that success and doing that and and um, but when when they were with, when we were affiliated with the Cubs we had Javi Baez and um you know, there, there, there was a bunch of those guys that came through. Josh Donaldson, uh, who went on to win an MVP and, and have great years in Oakland and Toronto and is now with the Yankees. And, um, you know, Chris Archer, I mean, just on and on. Josh Harrison is with the White Sox now. All those guys came through and, and, and we had him. I, I missed Albert Pujols by two years. He was there in 2000. But, um, you know, and, and then we, and we brought in a bunch of great people, too, which is what was really cool. Having the Cardinals and the Cubs and being right in the middle of both of those. Those um, gave us the opportunity to bring in. Oh, I, I mean, and, and I got to interview him down on the field, and you just feel like you're you're not really like, wait, is this real? Like you pinch yourself when you're sitting there on the video board in front of seven thousand fans, and you're interviewing Ernie Banks. You know, you're interviewing Jim Tomey. We had Sean Livingston, who's a Peoria native, after he won each of his titles in Golden State. Um, you know, we had. Fergie Jenkins, we had, we retired Greg Maddox's number. Ryan Sandberg was our manager for a year. We're, I'm riding a bus through Iowa, staying in a Super 8 hotel, you know, with, with Ryan Sandberg, a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, what like, what is this real life is, is what you feel. But, you know, we had we had all, Ozzie Smith. We, we, I did an interview with Ozzie Smith sitting on one side of me and Ryan Sandberg sitting on the other. Like what? What? Who, who gets to do that? You know that that's it, it's just it's just awesome. So um, we played games at Wrigley Field. We were the first minor league game ever at Wrigley Field. We had thirty two thousand one hundred and three fans for a minor league baseball game at Wrigley Field. I'm not a Cubs fan, but that was awesome. Um, I got the broadcast in the WGN radio booth. Um, that you know, we we did that twice. We we were vis we were lucky enough to be the visiting team at Miller Park twice. Um, the the Wisconsin guy was the one in Bob Euchre's suite, but I was you know we're still right there on on press row at Miller Park. So just some awesome stuff. We we did a lot of fun promotions. We made ESPN a couple of times with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, just had some of my best friends came from. 
co-workers there. It, it, it was just awesome, you know, just getting to do that, travel around, working baseball, um, you know, and, and getting to do that. And then COVID hit and that put the brake, that slammed the brakes on everything. So, um, you know, but it's still, still love following minor league baseball, watching all these guys, following their careers, whatever it might be. It, it's, it's, it, it takes a special breed to, to work in minor league baseball, especially for that long, because you're doing all the grunt work, even 17, 18 years in, you're still pulling tarp. And um, maybe I didn't do it as much in 2019 as I did in 2003 or four as a rookie, but you know, you're still doing it when you can and um, unloading semis full of bobbleheads and, um, you know, throwing writing numbers on tennis balls that fans are going to, you know, all that rolling t-shirts, all that stuff, whatever it takes to, to pull off a game. And, you know, in, in our case, we were trying to get, you know, 7,000 fans in for a sellout, but, you know, 4,000 fans in to have a good night at, at the ballpark on average in, in, a, in a market of 100,000 people, which isn't an easy thing to do. And that's, that's what we did for, for 17 years. How's working in college sports information similar at all? to what you did in minor league baseball it, it's it's similar in that it's it's long days so you know like like saturday here for example not to not to humble brag or anything it's just what happened is i walked on campus at 8 30 a.m and i walked off campus at 2 15 a.m because we had tennis three tennis matches we had two soccer games we had football and there was about two and a half hours in between where i went back to my office and wrote the articles for the soccer matches and the volleyball that was on the road and and made a couple of graphics so you know all in all you're here but i'm conditioned to do that because there were quite a few days where we would you know we still reported to the ballpark at 9 a.m every day even for a 7 p.m. start and we would do that not counting the Sunday games that were day games but if we had a homestand Monday through Sunday the Monday through Saturday part was rolling it at you know nine maybe nine thirty a.m. On, on a Saturday and then you're leaving at midnight so I, I'm, I'm just kind of I'm kind of built to do that um, and, and to do that part of the work I think also having worked in minor league baseball where you know, one story which actually has a great mama tie-in. In 2015, we we commuted. We always commuted to Burlington. That was our closest trip. So you didn't spend the night in Burlington. You'd go over there and play, and you'd drive back to Peoria. And then the next day, you'd go back over there and play, and you'd drive back to Peoria. So we were driving here on a Sunday, driving to Burlington on a Sunday. And the bus broke down in Monmouth. I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about Monmouth. You know, I, I've driven through here. I, I don't think at that point I'd ever broadcasted a high school game here. At, at some point I did do a game at, at United, um, and I've done a game at, at Monmouth Roseville too. But uh, at that point I hadn't really been. So it was just a spot that you went through, right? And we ended up um, breaking down right by the airport and the fence wasn't there in 2015 so our guys walked over and sat on the bleachers we had to wait an hour for them to bring another bus up from peoria um we were late the game was supposed to start two o'clock in burlington we didn't get there by two o'clock and the starting pitcher that day was jack flaherty and um we won 14 to 5 and um but that, that popped up on my on my Facebook memories a couple of a weeks ago, and I was like, wait, now I live a quarter of a mile from where we broke down seven years ago when I had. But so that ties into college sports because you never know what's gonna like what's gonna happen. What you know, last year the van broke down on tennis driving to to a match. Um, you know the the. 
the rain's going to come and, and something's going to happen and lightning's going to delay football for three hours. I'm, I'm used to all that stuff. So there's no panic when that kind of stuff happens. Um, having student workers, I had interns, I had staff working for me. So that, that part's the same. Um, obviously, um, and not taking anything away from anybody on this campus, but obviously from professional baseball to Division three college sports, the quality of play is a little bit different. Um, so that took a little getting used to, especially official scoring baseball games. I had to be like, wait, I'm not watching Javi Baez at shortstop. <laughs> I am watching a Division three college player at shortstop. No, he shouldn't make that play. That's a hit. Where in minor league baseball, that would have been an error on a 20-year-old professional player, right? So th- there's some differences there. Um, obviously, differences in, in sports. Um, I had never seen a lacrosse match in person before the very first one. I worked here at, La- at, at Monmouth in March of 2021. So that was a little different. There are rule differences in men's and women's lacrosse, just like there are rule differences in baseball and softball. Um, it, there are rule differences in men's and women's basketball at the NCAA level because the, the, the fouls are different. Um, the um, one place quarters, one place halves. That's different. Um, so you know th- those things happen, and you got. So there was a lot of a lot of those things to learn. Um, but overall, there's a lot between college athletics and, and minor league baseball. There's a lot of similarities. It's a lot of what people in journalism business might call being a one man band, um, which you see on the the, the local news uh, stations, or now you see a lot in, in newspapers where the same person's writing the story that's shooting the video that's going to go on the website. What's well, the same here? You know, I, I, I've got student workers, but when it all comes down to it, it's my responsibility to do the stats and 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 do the article on the website and shoot a video. Yeah, I might have a student that can help do some of it, but I've got to oversee or edit or whatever it is before it goes out for public consumption. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of that, which is which is very similar too. And I think that just drives the same work ethic and. They also creates the balance to know, like, hey, when is it okay to post this tomorrow? You know, it, it, you get you get a result, it, and it comes in at eleven o'clock at night, and you go post it on social media. Is anybody really reading that? Is it okay to wait and post that at nine a.m. tomorrow when you're going to get more eyeballs on it? Maybe the newspaper newspaper's not picking it up at eleven o'clock at night. Uh, local TV in Quad Cities is not going to do anything with it if if the game ain't la- last night's soccer game which which I did post, but posted that at 10.30. It wasn't going to make anything last night except for people on, on social media. Um, so you got to know when it's like, okay, yeah, we tied. Let's post that. You know, if it's a 5 nothing result the wrong way, maybe you hold it until the next morning. You know, so it's just different knowing kind of what's newsworthy, what's timely, what you need to lose sleep over and what you just say, all right, that's not a problem and I'll, I'll worry about that later or not worry about it at all, right, and and move on. So I, I think those are some of the things I learned that in 2004 I lost sleep over and in 2022 it's like, no, there's much bigger fish to fry than that. You make it sound like it's pretty great to be a Scott. It really is. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun being here for the last year and a half and learning from people like Coach Haynes and, um, you know, all the people that have been around here a long time, what the tradition around here means. And it's it's been cool to be a part of, and hopefully we can continue to build that legacy and roll Scots. That's Nathan Believer.
He's the voice of Fighting Scots Athletics at Monmouth College, also the college's sports information director. Be sure to keep your internet browser dialed up to the college's athletics website. That's MonmouthScots.com, your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive Scott Scoop. That's a great weekly e-newsletter that Nathan produces about Monmouth College Athletics. And that's going to be a wrap on this second edition of Monmouth College Conversations. Tell us what you think about the program or add to the conversation by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put conversation in the subject line. Until our next conversation, this is Dwayne Bonifer, the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day.